1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
0: In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones that you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So, go to podsurvey.com Florio and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com Florio. F-L-O-R-I-O. Thanks for your help. Yeah, this game's got a, a lot of good that can come from
1: it. It means more than just one game. Um, you got to treat it as one game. At the end of the day, it will just be one game. But uh, understanding these guys are undefeated, as you said in the conference, um, fight for one seed always, you know what I'm saying, trying to get every game that you can. You don't go into any game uh, thinking, you're, you're thinking that uh, we, we don't need this one or this one isn't as big as that one. But from a team that's been consistent in the past few years, knocked us out of the playoffs in the last two years. Um, There's a lot that we can gain from this win um, that makes it definitely more than just one game. Big game on Sunday night, the Dallas Cowboys and the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers have indeed eliminated the Cowboys two consecutive years from the postseason, each game featured a curious final attempt by the Cowboys to try to either tie the game or win the game. This time around, the regular season matchup goes a long way toward potentially determining Peter who will host a rematch if there is one. That's why it's so important. The one seed, to a certain extent, is in the balance. Even though we still have plenty of season to go, that outcome, when it's time to look at the final standings, who won that game back in week five between the Cowboys and the 49ers. It may be the difference between winning the division and not winning the division. And if both teams win their divisions and have had the same record, whoever wins that game will host if, and when their paths cross in the wild, well, not wild card round, but it would be divisional round or conference championship round.
2: You know, Mike, I think there's a little bit of a subplot in this game. And that subplot is this game's really important for Dak Prescott. And it's, important as well for Mike McCarthy. You know, one of the reasons without any question that Mike McCarthy took the uh, play calling, play designing, uh, game planning duties away from uh, Kellen Moore in the offseason, much to the owner's delight, honestly, uh, is a 48 second drive at the end of of the 19-12 to divisional round victory for the 49ers over the Cowboys last year. And for people who don't quite remember it, the Cowboys got the ball with uh, about 2.50 to go, 2.55 to go in the game. They're down a touchdown, and this is the big, big drive. And they go three and out, incomplete, sack, incomplete, And it's just a very, very ugly, dispiriting drive. And the Cowboys lose the game. And the next day, I'll never never forget looking at Jerry Jones after that game and seeing him. And he looked like his dog just died. And I said, those are 48 seconds that Jerry Jones will never get back. And then you look at the game the previous year. How did it end? When Dak Prescott... Uh, ran too far on a scramble, and they didn't have enough time left to get a play in after that scramble. And so, look, you can blame whatever you want on Dak Prescott. You can blame whatever you want on Mike McCarthy. You can credit the San Francisco defense all you want. But the fact is that, you know, at some point, words are simply not enough. Actions are required. And right now, the Dallas Cowboys uh, need to show that, as Pedro Martinez once said about the New York Yankees, they're our daddy. And right now, the 49ers are the Cowboys' daddy. And can they do anything about it? Can the Dallas Cowboys do anything about it at Levi's Stadium on Sunday? I believe that this is... Probably one of the biggest games of Dak Prescott's career. And it's not the, the the ultimate, okay? It's only week five of the NFL season, and the biggest games are to be played in January and February. I get it. But can you imagine how the Cowboys will feel if they get on the bus after the game to go to the San Jose airport and after losing again and not scoring 20 points again, if indeed that's the way... It goes against the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, they are going to feel like we can't beat this team. No matter what they say after the game, deep down, the 49ers will certainly have had their number doing it three years in a row.
1: Yeah, the Cowboys need to believe ultimately that they can win this game in January if and when it happens again in January. And losing yet again to the 49ers in a big spot, prime time, playoff feel that's not going to give them the confidence they need to believe that they could pull this off when the season is routing on the outcome of the game. One of the wrinkles that has come up, especially as it relates to the Cowboys in recent weeks, the value of having someone on the team that used to be on the other team, the anti-Dick Butkus dynamic, where you have guys yeah. who leave one team for another team, and how much information can you glean from that person? One of the comments this week from... Cowboys offensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer talking to Trey Lance about what the 49ers do defensively. I assume Dan Quinn will talk to Trey Lance about what they do offensively. Here's Kyle Shanahan from earlier in the week on how much any information that Trey Lance carried with him to Dallas could actually help the Cowboys.
0: As much as most coaches can. I mean, you can see the plays on tape. You can explain what we look at and stuff like that, which usually you can when you can stack up, a lot of tape over years and we've been here for a while and previous. So um, hopefully he's talking to him all the time and making them focus totally on that instead of the simple stuff of watching the tape.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's all on the tape. Everything that the 49ers have done offensively and defensively against the Cowboys, the past two years is on film. The challenge yeah. is, and this is where the chess match becomes important figuring out, predicting estimating what the 49ers are going to do this time around. And Trey Lance isn't going to help in that regard. Trey Lance isn't there. He doesn't know what they're thinking. He doesn't know what they're doing. He doesn't know how they're going to try to go above and beyond whatever they've already done to try to fool the Cowboys. And at the end of the day, Peter, I don't know how much any of that matters. It comes down to execution. It comes down to who can block who. If you have an idea what the play is going to be, you still have to stop it. What if you just can't stop it? You know it's coming but you can't stop it because your, your tacklers are getting knocked on their butts as they're trying to get to the ball carrier, or when they do get to the ball carrier, he won't go down. So there's a lot more to it than having an idea of what the 49ers might or might not do.
2: You know, I think the other part of this is Mike, that um, I, I think scouting is great. I honestly think that You know, it isn't necessarily what he's going to say. Yeah, watch, uh, you know, watch when Nick Bosa does this or here's what they're trying to do when uh, when you see uh, uh, Brock Purdy, you know, hold his hand up or touch the side of his helmet. This is it. Look, the 49ers understand this. Their signals will be changed on Sunday. They're not going to have the same. You know, a lot of teams have, you know, a dummy audible called or something. If if players hear a word, you ignore everything after that. If players hear a different word, you, you, you know, then what's called after that is the real play. They're not going to have the same words that they had when uh, Brock, when Brock Purdy was there and Trey Lance was there. So, you know. A lot of it, I've always felt, I have, you know, Mike, over the years, I have never once heard after a game like this, where a team acquires a player from another team, either picked them up off waivers or did this, I've never once heard somebody say, we won this game because of this, or we scored a touchdown because Trey Lance told us this, or we had a big gain because Trey Lance gave us a clue on this. You know, look, there's so many people who cover teams so closely now that somebody's going to whisper to somebody along the way, man, I'll tell you what, Trey Lance really helped us. He helped us do X, Y, and Z. You just never hear that. And you know why? Because I don't think it happens. You know, Kyle Shanahan is going to make sure that all the knowledge that Trey Lance has is basically knowledge you can see by watching the film. But it's not going to be knowledge that he's going to gain by quote stealing the 49ers' signals
1: end quote. One of the reasons <laughs> Trey Lance is no one of the reasons Trey Lance is no longer in San Francisco is because Brock Purdy, the last guy taken in the 2022 draft, has become the guy that Kyle Shanahan was looking for—the guy who can run his system the way he wants it to be run, a guy who could fairly be called a system quarterback. Just don't call him a system quarterback if you're around Kyle Shanahan. Here's what Shanahan had to say about that label.
0: Um, I mean, that's pretty ridiculous. You just got to watch the tape. I mean, he plays at a high level every time he's been out there. Um, He's done it in a lot of different situations um, versus a lot of different defenses. Um, On the road, at home, in playoff games, when injured, uh, you, you does, you can't do all that stuff. He's, he's been out there too long. He's, it's on tape.
1: And look, whether it's game manager, system quarterback, I mean, the bottom line is Kyle Shanahan wants a quarterback who will run his offense the way he wants it to be run because he believes that the game plans he constructs to go against a given defense between running and passing, if you just do what he tells you to do, it will work. Points will be scored and games will be won. So I don't know that there's anything pejorative about calling him a system quarterback because Kyle Shanahan's system relies on a quarterback who will run it the way he wants it to be run, Peter. Yeah, I mean, I think the other part of this, Mike, is that
2: I I think I'm on a talk show in San Francisco every week on 95 7 the game and uh, one of the guys I'm, I'm on with has this has a great word for this because I talk I've talked about this a lot. I wasn't smart enough to think of the word uh, draftism, you know. Because here's a player who was drafted, whatever it is, last 272nd overall, I think, um, in 2022. You know, you just are prone to not believe what you're seeing. And, yep, there's a trap door somewhere that's going to open and Brock Purdy's going to fall through it. Well, all I know is this. Brock Purdy, in his NFL career, has played 12 games in which he has played three quarters or more in that game, including playoffs, 12 games. In those 12 games, the 49ers are 12-0. This year, Brock Purdy uh, is essentially playing significantly better than he was last year. He's second in the NFL in yards per attempt. That is a huge measuring stick for quarterbacks. And the fact that he's third in accuracy, that he's completing 72%, tells me that it's not just the dink and dunk throws that he's hitting. It's the throws 10 yards plus downfield that he's hitting. That is how you get a good yards per pass attempt and how you're accurate at the same time, um, and, and look, he's—I'm not huge on passer rating, but he is number one in the NFL in passer rating. Zero interceptions. I don't know it, his team scoring thirty points or more every game this year. I—I I, I mean, what do you want, really? What do you want? Goes twenty to twenty-one. Yeah, but everything is a yeah, but with Brock Purdy. I think it's <laughs> totally ridiculous. You know, the ringer came out with ratings this week of their quarter of the quarterbacks in the NFL. <laughs> Excuse me. And they had Brock Purdy ranked 25th. I mean, I, I, I don't know what to say anymore with everybody basically putting an asterisk on Brock Purdy. I mean, if I were Brock Purdy, I, I'd just be stuffing all these things in my back pocket and say, man, this is so sweet. Did you know, by the way, that I started 47 games in a Power 5 conference in college? And one of the reasons why I'm pretty good right now is because I was up against teams that were better than us almost every week at Iowa State. And so don't you think that has some relevance when determining, you know, whether I can play at the next level or not? Just because everybody passed on me seven times, okay? Just because of that, it doesn't mean I can't play. Watch the games and then say that Brock Purdy can't play. And if you do, uh, you probably ought to be covering, you know, Nerf football.
1: I just ultimately don't think that calling him a system quarterback in Kyle Shanahan's system is a negative thing. The system requires the throws to be made short, intermediate, and long. He makes them efficiently. He makes the reads he's supposed to make. He makes all the movements he's supposed to make. I remember Rex Grossman explaining this after the lockout in 2011 in Washington. He was confident he was going to win the starting job under Mike and Kyle Shanahan because he knew that the way to win that job is to run the offense exactly the way Kyle Shanahan wants it to be run. Every step, every hitch, every read, every throw, everything. And that's what Purdy's doing. So he's running a very complicated system to perfection. Would he work in another system? We don't know unless and until he ends up in one for now. He's exactly what Shanahan needed. He's what Shanahan has been looking for. He's young Kirk cousins can run the system the way Shanahan wants it to be run. So I don't see a pejorative in it. I think it's great. It's exactly what the 49ers have been missing. They've been missing a quarterback who can run the system and stay healthy. Not freelance, not get overwhelmed by the moment. Just go out there and be almost robotic and get it done. Deliver the ball where it's supposed to go. What do I do on this play? That's what I'm supposed to do. Okay, I'll go do it. Next play. What am I supposed to do? That's what I'm supposed to do. I'll go do it exactly the way you taught me to do it. That's what Shanahan's been looking for. That's good system quarterback. That's exactly what the 49ers need. All right, all that said. All that said. Oh, now the to take a break. I was going to go to another topic, but we need to take a break because. What a shock. Peter and I have been talking too much. Who would have ever guessed that Peter King I've and been talking I would too have much. too many things to say? Well, I have been too. Let's take a break. How will the Giants bounce back from getting their asses kicked on Monday Night Football? That and more with a grab bag when we return. Instead. Peter King training camp tour 2021 a sign of things to come singing a little Taylor Swift he knew what was just two years away nobody else did but Peter did I don't even know what song that was what song is that Peter
2: that's shameful shameful that's an adult at the time that's a 64 year old man warbling
1: unintelligibly
2: t swift so uh
1: you know this whole taylor swift thing here's the one point that i'm gonna make that someone sent me this morning and i confirmed it and this dovetails with the second london game of the year one of the challenges for the nfl in england even though they fill the stadiums and even though It feels like a really big deal. The nation at large does not care. It just doesn't. It doesn't resonate with the average, everyday England, London, Manchester, etc. sports fan. That's why we love the folks that watch the show on Sky Sports NFL. They are passionate about the NFL. Most don't even know what's going on. The story about Travis Kelsey pushing back against the NFL for overdoing the Taylor Swift angle was at the time the email was sent to me from one of our viewers over there. The number three story on the BBC News website. When I checked it this morning, it was down to four. That is huge for the NFL that it took this Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey thing to propel the NFL to the top of the stack. On BBC News, that Peter cannot be underestimated. As unfortunately, the Chiefs eventually will go to Germany, not England. This would have been a good year for the Chiefs to be the ones going to England.
2: Yeah, it's very interesting, Mike. Last year, when I went to Munich and I saw the Bucks play uh, the Seahawks, and and Tom Brady was uh, you know a really big deal to go play a regular season game over in Germany. Actually, anybody would have been a big deal because they were... I'll say this. When I left Germany last year after walking through a sort of an NFL festival in the same square that Adolf Hitler took power 90 years previous to this, or whatever, 89 years or something like that, and you go into this uh, Odeon's Plots area, of Central Munich and it's huge square and they have giant helmets of all 32 NFL teams. And you've got school kids, buses and buses and buses of school kids, you can't even move. I had to leave eventually because I just, you couldn't move. And and I believe, I don't know when it'll happen. I don't even know if I'll be alive when it happens, but I do believe the NFL will have multiple teams in europe uh both probably in in london and in germany uh i don't know if it'll be frankfurt or munich or both Uh, maybe spain depending on what happens when they play a game there which is only a matter of time so i i understand exactly what you're saying and i understand the you know the taylor swift craze and all that but i do think that eventually uh people in europe are going to get to see nfl football uh weekly
1: well that's something the nfl seems to be committed to doing there are some people around the league that wonder if it's ever going to take but this example of the travis kelsey taylor swift story resonating the way it is on bbc news is a significant development for the nfl and explains why the nfl has been leaning into this as heavily as it can so chiefs and maybe taylor swift at the vikings on sunday buy or sell the Chiefs' offense will find its groove against the Vikings' defense.
2: Oh, I'll buy that because, look, eventually, I don't care what defense is on the other side of the field, uh, Kansas City's offense is going to find its groove. And this is all about, Mike, after you have lost, okay, in the course of two years, after you have lost Tyreek Hill, Juju Smith-Schuster, McCole Hardman, And after you have to sort of say, okay, Marquez, Valdez, Scandling, Skymore, uh, we need you right now to supplement Travis Kelsey as our absolute go-to guys. And that's what they're working through right now. It doesn't, you get spoiled by Mahomes, but that kind of stuff, when you lose so many go-to guys so quickly, you can say, ah, we're working out in the offseason, but it's going to take time during the season. It will come, and I will not be surprised if they put a 35-burger on the Vikings this weekend.
1: One of the fascinating things about the Chiefs, even though they compete for championships, they're in it every year, five straight years hosting the AFC Championship, they are prone to having their foot slip off the gas pedal. Up 17-0, they let the Jets get back into it, and they ended up winning the game, but it was enough of a wake-up call that I I agree with you. They're going to find their groove against the Vikings because they're going to feel like they lost on Sunday night even though they ultimately won. The Giants felt like they lost because they lost badly. 24 to 3 and it felt worse than that on monday night football here is giants defensive coordinator wink martindale on his next challenge preparing for the high-flying miami dolphins offense
0: the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. A world record again. Goal! Unbelievable. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics, this summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. My wife uh, called me last night before she went to bed. She, she's said she was worried about me. She said, do you get any sleep? I said, yeah, I'm sleeping like a baby. Every two hours I wake up and cry and you know, <laughs> go to the bathroom and try to go back, and get some more sleep. Uh, I mean, that's that's unbelievable. I told our guys, not, not the players, I told our staff. Because uh, we're all old enough to remember the greatest show on turf. This is like that 2023 supersonic. I mean, they're fast. Faster than that,
1: you know. That's so but compelling, for
2: the Mike. Mike, yeah. I I think what Wink Martindale said is so incredibly accurate because I've thought about that a couple of times this year. I've thought about that speed, and I've thought about Isaac Bruce, tory Holt, Azakeem. I've th- Marshall Falk out of the backfield. He's not a burner, but he's fast enough. And I have really thought about that because that's exactly what this team is. After last week or after two weeks ago, remember NFL Next Gen stats put out a stat in which they've said the six fastest speeds this year in games in the first four weeks of the season have all been posted by Miami Dolphins players. And so this is really what we're seeing. I think at Wink Martindale. Absolutely is correct, and and I think it's one of the reasons why. You know, I'll tell you what we're going to see on Sunday because Mike McDaniel knows this. You see, when Miami plays a team that it doesn't play that often, they go into motion like all the time, <clears throat> and the reason is that every team comes into a game against Miami and said, "Hey, we got to hit these guys at the line of scrimmage. We got to take their speed away from them." Well. They put Tyreek Hill in motion a lot, so you can't hit him at the line. He's too fast. He's got a running start. It's like when they play football in the CFL, and you can you can run. You know, it, it, The only difference in the CFL, you can actually run toward the line of scrimmage. But, but anyway, I, I think this is going to be a Herculean task for a bad team in the New York Giants.
1: So fill in the blank, Peter. The Giants will respond to the embarrassing Week 4 loss to the Seahawks by blank versus the dolphins
2: doing nothing different than we've seen so far other than maybe maybe taking daniel bellinger or daniel waller and basically making them a sixth offensive lineman in this game because they have to protect daniel jones better mike i've got this is the oddest stat not oddest but the most telling stat of this season for me So the New York Giants and the Dallas Cowboys. You wouldn't say the Cowboys are the best offense in football right now, but you'd say they're top five, six, seven offense in football right now. At least I would say that. So in the 16 quarters so far this year that the Cowboys have played, they have been scoreless in zero of the 16 quarters. In the 16 quarters that the Giants have played this year, They are scoreless in 10 of them. And you look at that and you say, ah, you know, weird stat, whatever. But if you've actually watched the New York Giants, I think you're kind of surprised it's not scoreless in 13 quarters. Because their offense is awful. They can't block anybody. And Daniel Jones is making bad decisions under pressure. I agree with you, Mike. I don't blame Daniel Jones. But... The 97-yard pick, pick six by Devin Witherspoon son, uh, Monday night, that was, that was a bad decision by Daniel Jones. So I'm not blaming him for the fiasco because he's got no protection, but I'm going to blame him a little bit for the fiasco.
1: Well, and look, by the time that he's trying to figure out is Darren Waller open in the back of the end zone, the clock in his head is so accelerated, what's he he to do? They're swarming him constantly all night long. I felt bad for him. I think the Giants, I think the Giants, for those of you out there inclined to wager, I think the Giants are going to cover the spread, and the spread has gone from 11 yesterday to 12 and a half today. The money is on the Dolphins. It's very easy to come to the conclusion the Dolphins are going to kick the crap out of them. But at a certain point, pride comes into play. At a certain point, you're going to see greater effort because they've been hearing it all week from Wake Martindale. They've been hearing it all week from Brian Dayball. I think we're going to see a better Giants team. Not enough to win, but enough to keep it closer than 12.5 points. All right, last one. Take your pick. Who is, Peter, your dog of the week? And I'm not talking about Chuck.
2: You're talking about my underdog of the week. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so I'll tell you my dog of the week is, okay? And, and I don't, I, I'm not saying right now that they're going to win this game, but I think the Los Angeles Rams are going to play a very, very good game against the Philadelphia Eagles. And the reason I think that is not necessarily because they're getting Cooper Cup back, not necessarily that Matthew Stafford is going to come back and play in this game, even though he does have a bruised hip and evidently, it's quite painful. No, in the Puka Nakua magic. No, it is because those guys who uh, less need and 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 to to a lesser degree, uh, you know, the coaching staff and the scouting staff have drafted late. You know, led by the Ernest Joneses of the world. You know, those guys have played fierce defense, and they're not pedigree players at all. But I think they're going to give the Eagles everything that they can handle. And look, I'm not saying they're going to win the game, I'm, and I do not bet. I think betting is awful. However, if I had $3 to put on a game this weekend, I would bet that the – I don't even know what the spread is. I know the Eagles are favored. But I would bet that the Rams are going to make this a field goal game.
1: Well, the Eagles are favored by four. So if it's a field goal game, your $3 becomes $6 or whatever it is when they take out the VIG. Okay, here's mine. Sims and I did this yesterday in the Joint Mega Picks podcast, and this one screamed out to me because I've been watching the Texans-Steelers game. I pay close attention to the Steelers generally because I can't figure them out in any given year. But... The Texans are something, and they have something they are. in C.J. Stroud. And for, and for me, Peter, it's as simple as this. The Texans have a great quarterback right now four games into his NFL career, and the Falcons don't. And the Falcons are favored by two as of yesterday. It's down to one and a half today, which means people are realizing something's wrong with this picture. The Texans are the better team right now. We came into the season thinking the Falcons could be a playoff contender and the Texans can't contend for anything. That's changed a month in. The Texans are for real. I think the Texans are going to win that game straight up. I'm still stunned that the Falcons are favored. They have shown me nothing at the quarterback position and the Texans have shown me everything. All right, let me do this read here real quick. First, I got to find it. Here it is. Don't forget, on DraftKings Sportsbook this season, new customers can bet $5 and pocket $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get a no sweat same game parlay every single day. Download the app and use the promo code PFT Live when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. Who will take the crown between the Jets and the Broncos? We'll have that next year on PFT Live. What are your emotions? Got to Gotta go win a football game.
0: How did how did they treat you? Then? Great. You no. Her, uh, did never,
1: nope Did he reach out, or
0: you did you accept the call? Or?
1: Nope. I love nope. Nope delivered in a certain way sends a message unto itself. Nope. He call you? Nope. <laughs> nope. So. Sean Payton had those comments to Jared Bell of USA Today back in August. Very critical of the Broncos. Very critical of Nathaniel Hackett. Very critical of the Jets. And here we are at week five. We knew it was going to be a storyline as the Jets and the Broncos prepared to get together. But frankly, Peter, the bigger story is which of these teams has a chance to turn it around, if either. I think this is a critical game because the winner reasonably has a chance. The loser falls to one and four. And in a tough AFC playoff field, you can't lose many more than four and still be alive for anything. And if we Mike, think De- the Jets turn Denver Broncos, on Sunday night. Denver...
2: Win or lose this ahead. week, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I think win or lose this week, this is all window dressing for the Broncos. I just, I don't see, after what I've seen in them so far this year, uh, you know, to me, what was so interesting this week is... You know when they uh, when they f- basically fired Gregory. You know they they when they when you fire a player, that is from the, Bel- the Belichick Parcells now Peyton playbook. You know when you're not happy with your team, uh, you're going to start throwing people overboard, and that's what this is—a bad signing uh, by Denver and. They so somebody's gonna go, and at some point you are what you are, and the Denver Broncos are allowing whatever it is thirty-seven points a game. You know, yeah, they won against Chicago, hooray, uh, all that. But I look at the Denver Broncos, and to me, a win over the Jets would just feel like a reprieve from the warden. Honestly, it it it, it it's not anything that's going to be season-changing, four days later, you're going to play the Chiefs. Do you seriously think that the Broncos have a chance going into Kansas City to get to three and three or whatever they would be? I, I, I don't. And again, look, I'm not trying to be Joe negative, but Denver has got to build a defense, and that building job is going to be throughout this coming off season, not now.
1: Okay, so win or lose, the Broncos are done. And I can't say I disagree with that. I'm just trying to sell the game a little bit. For the Jets, yeah. if we believe they turned a corner on Sunday night, and I think they did, it's wasted. It's worthless. It's meaningless if they don't win this game. I think this game is far more important for the Jets because unless what happened against the Chiefs after they fell behind 17 nothing was just some sort of a fluke, some sort of a weird development, some sort of a meaningless aberration, the Jets should be able to parlay this into a win. Zach Wilson, we see a different guy. Offensively, we see a different attack. They're going against a very bad defense. They should be able to move the ball and score points. And their defense is very good. They made Patrick Mahomes look somewhat mortal on Sunday night. That's why, when we were doing the Dog of the Week last segment, that's why my other choice is the Jets. They're favored, or no, I mean, excuse me, they're getting two and a half points from the Broncos. I don't get it. Because if we believe what we saw on Sunday night, the Jets should be able to win this game. And if they don't, they are done. Because their schedule continues to be very difficult. This is a game they have to win. And if they can win this game... When you look at how sluggish the Eagles have been, that's their next opponent. Maybe they got a chance to steal one from the Eagles. Somebody's eventually going to steal one from the Eagles the way the Eagles are kind of lollygagging their way through this early season schedule. So I just think this means so much more for the Jets. It is critical for the Jets to win this game. I agree with you. For the Broncos, window dressing. For the Jets, if they're ever going to be competitive, and you got Aaron Rodgers still talking openly about playing again this year, regular season potentially, you got to have reason for him to come back and play. And if they lose this one, there isn't going to be a reason for him to come back and play in December, January, whenever it is that he's cleared to return.
2: Three notes. Number one, when you see Nathaniel Hackett speak the way he spoke uh, in that clip that you played, with everything is a monosyllabic answer, very terse, everything like that. Okay, that means that it is simmering below the surface that he wants to kill the Denver Broncos. He can say whatever (laughs) he wants about how, hey, you know, I got a chance to be a head coach. I'm grateful to the Walton Penners. I'm all, I'm this, I'm that. He's not. So, and, you know, and what Sean Payton said is just the icing on the cake. He wants to kill the Denver Broncos, period. Okay, number two. I want to believe in Zach Wilson because when he came out into this league and I watched a lot of his tape from Brigham Young, I said, this guy is an NFL quarterback for the for this decade, for this day, for this generation. He's perfect. He gets out. He's got a very strong arm. He's a great mobile. He can throw on the run well. And he hasn't been that so far. He has been, you know, awful overall, so far. However, we saw enough in probably three of the quarters that he played last Sunday night to say, not so fast, let's give this guy one more chance. And that's what this is. You can't unsee what you had seen before then. but at least he gives you a reason to turn on the television if you live in Munaki this weekend. You know, or if you live way out on Long Island and you've been a Jets, Jets, Jets guy, to basically say, all right, I'm giving them a chance. And the last thing I would say is that this game, to me, is big for the Jets for all the other reasons, too. Anytime you go play a road game, even against a bad team, if you're the better team, which the Jets are, if you're the better team, you have to just show that and you have to prove that in all ways. I think there's pressure on this defense to absolutely, totally stifle Russell Wilson in that offense, and I think that's the message that Robert Sala is going to give those guys.
1: Well, we'll see how it plays out, and if the Jets lose, I think they are, for all practical purposes, done. We are done just for now. When we return, Jonathan Taylor, not done with the Colts, not traded, not traded. Healthy, back, and could be playing on Sunday. We'll discuss that next year on PFT Live. Number one, this first off, feels really good to, to finally be healthy. I mean, number one, the whole time, the main goal was to be healthy. Everyone in this whole thing, the main goal was to be healthy, to go out there, and to be able to, to do what I love, which is play football. So um, it, I don't think it, it matters on if I'm saying I'm committed or not because I, I'm here I mean if somebody wasn't committed they wouldn't be here um, and, and right now I'm here and my my number one goal is to really attack this first practice it's been over 290 days I believe I mean I mean when you're when you're not doing what you love you're gonna you're gonna notice it um, so it's been over 290 days so my main goal has been to attack this first day
2: yesterday was a walkthrough so today is the I got second first day.
1: Jonathan Taylor, Colts running back after four weeks on the reserve, physically unable to perform list, following plenty of acrimony and angst between the Colts and the team. They were looking to trade him. They wanted too much. They don't want to pay him. He wanted out. It's all kind of forgotten now, Peter, because frankly, and great personality, I've always liked Jonathan Taylor, but he's. He's backed into a corner here. He's got nothing else he can do other than suit up and play. And after the season, let's see where things stand. Do they franchise tag him? If they do, can they trade him then? For now, trade opportunities aren't there. No one's going to pay him 12 $13, 14000000 a year. He's got to play the rest of this season, hope for the best, put some good tape out there, and maybe after the season he can be traded to a team that will pay him what he's worth.
2: Here's the bottom line with Jonathan Taylor, and I think this is vitally important to consider, okay? Jonathan Taylor right now is in his age 24 season. He's still a very young player. However, he's coming off a year in which he missed six games because of injury, and he comes off a very, in your words, acrimonious summer with the Indianapolis Colts. I don't think anybody really believed he was injured enough uh, to miss the first four games of the year, but he did. So, in other words, Jonathan Taylor has missed the last 10 regular season games for the Indianapolis Colts. So, regardless of how much he is admired, you know, he had the greatest season that a running back had two years ago, won the rushing title, Had 128 yards rushing receiving per game for the Indianapolis Colts. Clearly staked his claim as the best running back in football. But he's missed the last 10 games due to injury or due to whatever. The only thing that he can do right now is over the next 13 games show the rest of the NFL that he's the running back that he was in 2021. Then, Mike, all, you know, at that point, you know, he's 24 years old. And at that point, you basically say, let the chips fall where they may, because that is how this whole thing will go. You can't predict what's going to happen with Jonathan Taylor, whether Jimmy Ursay falls back in love with him and he sort of grits his teeth and says, "Okay, I'll stay here because they're going to pay me the most money and all that. We don't know. It's totally unpredictable. All Jonathan Taylor can do is control today, tomorrow, and the next day, and to play the next 13 games like he's the best running back in football. If he does that, somebody, I don't know, is either going to trade for him or the Colts will pay him.
1: And you mentioned Jim Irsay. Here's the inescapable reality when it comes to the Colts and great running backs. They had Marshall Falk. They did not give him a major second contract. They traded him to the Rams. They had Edger and James. They never gave him a second contract. He finished his rookie deal, did one year under the franchise tag, signed with the Cardinals. I don't think the Colts want to make a long-term commitment. They want to do one year under the tag, maybe two, and then see you later. He's trying to force that issue. That's what knocked everything off course back in August. Now it's back on course because they need each other and they move forward against the Titans yeah. team that they could beat, depending upon which Titans team shows up. Is it the one that lost 20-7-3 to, 7 to 3, or the one that won 27-3? We don't know, which, again, goes back to bet at your own peril because nobody knows what's happening in any of these games. And of all the games this weekend, I don't know what's going to happen with the Titans and the Colts. Let's take a break. Show me something, Daniel Jones and others, for Week 5 when PFT Live continues right after this.
0: How are you? thoughts on Josh Allen? Um, scares me.
1: That's Josh Allen on Josh Allen, not the same Josh Allen, a different Josh Allen, the Josh <laughs> Allen that plays for the Jaguars. The last time they played the Bills, a couple of sacks wreaked havoc on Josh Allen, the quarterback. They'll square off. Early Sunday morning, set your alarms to get up 9.30 a.m. Eastern exclusively on NFL Network. It's the Jaguars at the Bills in London. All right, show me something time for week five. Peter, you're up. This is too easy, Mike. It's the easiest
2: show me something in the history of show me somethings. Show me something, Dak Prescott. This is very simple. You put up 12 and 17 points in your last two games against the nfc behemoth 49ers one at home one on the road you go on the road you go to Levi stadium uh, this is a team that if anything on defense is better than it was a year ago and so now all i want you to do deck on sunday just play for this play for peter king saying show me something deck prescott
1: Show me something, Mike Tomlin, head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. There's a strange dynamic that plays out among Steelers fans. Anytime the Steelers hit any stretch of adversity, there's a group of the fans that want to fire Mike Tomlin. Never mind the fact that he would immediately land somewhere else as a head coach, maybe that same day. They develop this desire to move on. And after what happened on Sunday in Houston— where they were out physical by the Texans, as admitted by Tomlin himself. This is the ultimate test for him to push buttons and pull strings and make his guys ready to go out and face the Ravens and beat them going into the bye. There is a huge difference between 3-2 and two and 2-3 two and three for this Steelers team. They need this win, as slim as it might end up being, to go into the bye week. Feeling like they have some hope on the other side. Physical, old school, Steelers football, starting with Mike Tomlin and trickling down. They didn't do it last week. They need to do it this week. Show me something, Mike Tomlin.
2: Show me something, Evan Neal. Everybody, wait a second. Uh, Refresh my memory, Evan Neal. Yes, the seventh pick in the 2022 NFL Draft. The starting right tackle and currently a poor right tackle for the New York Giants. And I say, show me something, Evan Neal, because the other day he called out the fans. Why should I listen to them? They ought to be flipping burgers and hot dogs. Uh, They don't really know my job. So he gets excoriated by everyone in greater New York, called on the carpet by the head coach, Brian Dable, this week. But I say, show me something, Evan Neal, and that's almost kind of, uh, you know, show me something New York Giants offensive line. Evan Neal is just a big example of it because while Andrew Thomas is recovering from a bad hamstring, you have a bad and beat up offensive line. And that is a bad, uh, you know, a bad, uh, you know, a bad portion of your team when you're going to face a team that you've got to score a lot of points again. So show me something, Evan Neal. Block somebody this week. Allow Daniel Jones to be remotely competitive so the New York Giants don't get embarrassed again.
1: Show me something, Kirk Daniel Cousins. And the middle name is intriguing because it's not Daniel in the lion's den this week. The lion is coming to town. Mahomes, for the first time ever, facing Kirk Cousins. They have never crossed paths before. In 2019, when they were supposed to at Arrowhead Stadium, Mahomes was injured. Matt Moore beat Kirk Cousins that day. This is Cousins' ultimate opportunity to prove that he belongs somewhere remotely on the fringes of the conversation of top quarterbacks in the NFL. This is it. This is the moment. It's never going to come in a Super Bowl. This is the day. And when you choose to go to a baseball game on Tuesday, the week that the lion is showing up in your house, that's the ultimate litmus test for whether or not this I take every Tuesday off works because this is the test. Show me what you did Wednesday. Show me what you did Thursday. Show me what you did Friday and Saturday Come Sunday when Patrick Mahomes brings the Chiefs to town because, Peter, there is a huge difference for the Vikings between one and four and two and three. And no one expects Cousins to do it. This is his chance. Let's take a break. One more round of the Show Me Something draft right after this. All right, Show Me Something. We've done two rounds each. Round three. Peter,
2: you're up. Show me something, Desmond Ritter. You know, when I left Falcons camp in the summer, I was convinced that this team had the best, all together, the best crew of skilled players, the deepest crew of skilled players in football. And they were adding B. John Robinson. This team was going to be tough to stop. All Desmond Ritter had to be is a C or C-minus quarterback. Well, he's been a D-minus quarterback. He's put up 13 points in the last two weeks. His play has directly led to losses against Detroit and Jacksonville. So now you say, what is up? Well, all week, all I've been reading in the press in Atlanta is we support Des. It's not his fault. It's this, it's that, it's the other thing. All I know is that Arthur Smith knows that he probably went too long last year with Marcus Mariota. He will not make the same mistake this year in a winnable division. I believe that this game is crucial. This game against the Houston Texans is crucial for the near future
1: of Desmond Ritter. So show me something, Desmond Ritter. Continuing the quarterback middle name trend, show me something, Michael McCorkle Jones, the quarterback of the New England Patriots, has been embattled all week because he looked horrible against the Dallas Cowboys. And they've program the stepford patriot this week to utter phrases like play one play at a time and i need to know the intention of the play and this that or the other thing it feels like mac jones has reached whatever ceiling he's going to reach and it feels like if they don't turn this thing around quickly there could be some big changes in new england after the season and not just a new quarterback that is it for today thanks for some of your time enjoy the game see you monday see you peter